Hello and welcome back to God Loves Kids TV. We hope you've been enjoying these teachings from Pastor Phil. Today we continue our series on a perfect father with a video we call Relational Blessings. So, without any further ado, here's Pastor Phil. We're back looking at um, the idea that all theology, all, all the, the Bible essentially, in many ways is a, is a universal painting a large great picture and so many times it's very difficult for us to understand that picture because we're we're looking myopically at single dots in the painting or single parts of the painting and I want to help you maybe see the big picture of the way God functions the way we function in relationship with him and to understand what God is doing here and I mentioned this thing called the process of blessing it is the the aspect that God knows us, he unconditionally accepts us, he unconditionally loves us, and he's working to meet our needs according to his riches and glory. That is what I call the process of blessing. That is daily in your life before you ever do anything for God. It's, it's uh, unnecessary to try to earn this, okay? There's no effort involved at all. It's simply putting your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, receiving that free gift of salvation, becoming a son, exchanging one kingdom for the other, exchanging one father for the other, being grafted in an adoption. This is what brings you to the place of receiving the blessing. And in fact, even the blessing is prevenient. That means that God is already operational in blessing you even before you accept him as, as Lord and Savior. It's how he draws you into the kingdom. He knows you. He knew you in your mother's womb, so he knows you before you're saved. Uh, he already has accepted you. Uh, he already has loved you, okay? And so when, when you're in that process of coming to realize that God is, is chasing you down, the hounds of heaven are on your heels, uh, the idea of a seeker, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that comes after salvation. Uh, that doesn't come beforehand. There, there's no one who finds God without God. Uh, there's no one who seeks after God just from their own earthly experience or their own earthly need. The flesh will lead us to fleshly pursuits. And that's why counterfeit religions are so uh, impactful, is that they appeal to the flesh in one way or the other. And so when I mention this thing called the process of blessing, it might be easy for you to discount it as maybe, oh, well, this is Phil's way of repackaging some old uh, thoughts into a, a more acceptable package, or, or it's, uh, it's just another cliche out there or something like that. It's another catchphrase. I'm telling you that there is an intrinsic power in this thing called the blessing. In fact, I've encouraged all of our young people in Africa to watch these videos because this philosophy, this understanding of God being a perfect father and this is the way he fathers, it impacts everything I do. And so if they want to have a better understanding of me, and to some of them I'm a mystery, if they want to have a better understanding of me, if they want to have a better understanding of how I function day to day and what impacts my decision-making processes, then it is in fact this concept of the blessing 
and then the discipleship that takes place after. But let me point that out. I just said the blessing and the discipleship takes place after. One of the powers of the blessing, and this, this particular segment is called the power of the blessing, the power of the blessing is that it, it meets fundamental human need and that eliminates negative behavior out of people's lives. I am not qualified as a father, as a parent, to correct a child who I am not blessed. Because if I haven't blessed them, then I've left them vulnerable to behaving incorrectly. In fact, what we've done in the body of Christ is that we've switched the two. We want to disciple people. We want to teach them. We want to train them. We want to correct them. And occasionally we will reward them. And part of the reward is that we might get to know them. We might love them. We might, you know, accept them. We might if they behave properly. And that's totally backwards to the way God operates and the way he wants his kingdom and his church to operate. You know, it's a little hard on the Assemblies of God in, in one of the last videos. Uh, it is my mother church. It's where I grew up. I owe a tremendous amount uh, to the Assemblies of God. I owe a fundamental understanding of Scripture to the Assemblies of God. But one of the great things about the Assemblies of God is their name. Do you realize that the church is not a building? The church is not, uh, 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 does not function as a corporation. The church is a people who belong to God. They are called to assemble themselves together. Don't forsake the assembly of the brethren. They're called to assemble themselves together. Why? Because God uses the people in that assembly to meet one another's needs on a horizontal level. Now, in the future, I'm going to do an in-depth teaching on needs and what it means to have needs and the fact that we were designed to have needs and that you can't function in life without getting those needs met. And so what happens is we have needs in this area of our life that are met because we are known. They're met because we're unconditionally accepted, not based on what we do or our performance, but whose we are, you know? And it's, it's not, we are so performance driven. It is so much a part of our culture. Again, it's like a fish recognizing what water is. It's impossible because they live in it. And so our culture is so performance driven that it's very difficult for us to realize that we're pushing people in a performance way to gain our approval and, uh, and our acceptance of them. And so what we want to see in our lives as a father with my children, I needed to know them. I need to know their personalities and we'll teach on that later. Uh, I needed to know what made them tick. I needed to know who their friends were. Uh, I needed to investigate them thoroughly. That's what is a biblical term. Uh, it's a yacht of knowledge to have a total investigative knowledge of my children. I needed to enter their world and be a part of their world and really understand fundamentally who they were. And if I did that, that, that blessed them. It, it filled a hole in their soul. It filled a hole in their heart. And then once I, I, you know, I've known them, then I unconditionally accept them. That's an attitude in my heart that I'm accepting this person 
fundamentally for who they are. They are my child. Okay? You know, it's, uh, it, it's an amazing thing that we have so many pictures of, of childbirth. And when the child comes out, they're beautiful. Everybody's ooing and aahing. Let me assure you, that's not the way it always happens. Uh, with our second daughter, Hayes, uh, she was 10 months into pregnancy before she was born. Uh, she came out fully cooked. She looked like a Gerber baby on the baby food bottle. Uh, she was gorgeous, and everybody said she was gorgeous. Everybody oohed and awed over Hayes. Then, 10 months later, my son Corbin was born. Yes, they were Irish twins, if you will. And, uh, and it was quite an exciting time in our life. We had three kids in diapers, but, uh, but Corbin came out looking like an alien creature from the planet Xenon. I mean, he was unrecognizable as ours. Uh, uh, I wondered uh, really where this creature came from. And uh, in fact, when they brought his baby pictures to us, we said, that's not our kid. Uh, that can't be our kid. He was ugly. Uh, he's very handsome now. But when he first came out, he was ugly. And, and with having children, there's nothing like having children to make that statement in the Forrest Gump movie true. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And anybody who's had multiple children knows that, that they're each fundamentally different from the other. And so my job as a parent was to, to know that child, know their differences, uh, understand how I needed to parent one child different than the other and then as I knew them then I unconditionally accepted those differences those fundamental human difference were something that I unconditionally accepted and then I worked to, to unconditionally love that child a love it takes a sacrifice and we'll go in depth in that whole concept of unconditional love in the future and then I'm going to meet my children's fundamental human, emotional, and spiritual, physical needs. You know, all of us have needs. We need food. We need air. Try to hold your breath for the next three minutes. And you quickly realize you have needs. You know, try to go without food for the next two weeks. Try to go without water for the next 72 hours. You'll realize you have needs. You know, you have a need for sex as an adult. You have a need for, for emotional love as an adult. There, there are plenty of different needs, and it's okay to be needy. God didn't promise us that he'd meet our needs according to his riches and glory if we weren't supposed to have needs. He said those needs would be met. Adam was made with a need, and God dealt with his neediness before he dealt with his fallenness. He said it's not good that man is alone. And he gave him Eve to what? To meet a need in his life for companionship. To meet a need in his life to be loved. Can I say this? He gave him Eve to bless him. So that Eve could know him, could unconditionally accept him, could unconditionally love him, and work to meet his needs in a horizontal way. Sometimes you just need a God representative with skin on them. You know, I encourage people. When, you, when people come into our churches, we need to hug them, you know? and hug them in an appropriate way, but they need a hug. It may be the only physical touch that they get all week long. And you know, when you enter into a hug and you do it for 30 seconds, something amazing happens to you physically. There's, 
There's a tremendous amount of science behind it by, by the release of, of different chemicals in the body, that there's a healing process that takes place when we experience human touch. And it's so vital that we experience that human touch. So here's the deal. The church has been working to try to eliminate negative behavior out of its members. Did you hear that? And in fact, they've done it in, in so many different ways. They've said, here are the rules, obey the rules. You know, uh, you have to look like this, do this, do this, do this. Uh, you know, if you, if you, the Amish are a perfect example of this. If, if I want to be ministered to by an Amish community, then I have to adopt their standards of dress and their standards of living, their principles, which by the way, most are extra biblical. And so there is a performance level in order to be accepted by them. I can't go in and look any way I want and, and, and uh, do anything I want for a living and drive anything I want. I have to obey their rules and standards. And to a certain extent, most churches or denominations have some level of this active in them. There's a tremendous amount of conformity in the body of Christ. And yet God is into diversity. He's into uniqueness. Do you know I lived in Costa Rica for a couple years and there's a tree that walks? You know, it can pick itself up and move itself up to a meter a year. That's almost three feet. A meter a year in order to get closer to a water source or in order to have more light on its leaves. It senses what it needs and it can literally move now, not all trees walk. In fact, as far as I know, only one tree walks. Okay? And that tree is located in Costa Rica. So God is into variety. He's created variety in the mix. There's all different shades of skin color, all different uh, attitudes and body types. And, and, uh, and so, you know, we shouldn't demand conformity in order to receive ministry. It's very simple. And so when we're looking at this, what we've done is we've taken discipleship and we put the cart before the horse. We want change before blessing. And what I'm saying to you is whether it's with a child or whether it's with your spouse or whether it's with your employees or whether it's with you know your church body, that if you bless them first, you'll see a tremendous amount of the negative behavior you were concerned with go away. I like to think it's about 80% of all negative behavior can be eliminated by someone being thoroughly blessed in their life. They feel, they, they walk through life knowing. They feel this connection. They feel they're, they're not alone. Aloneness is a plague in our society today. You know, you think about all these lone gunmen, you know, you think about the, the kids in school today who are bullied and picked on and they feel alone. People go to work alone. They, they pull up to their big, beautiful homes, push the garage door opener, go in, push it down close, go to their theater room and they're alone. You know, they can live in nice homes and they can have beautiful families. I used to pastor in Southlake. That was the one of the biggest issues is a lack of community in, in, in that community. People related to that which was inside their McMansion. 
and not the community at large. And in fact, you had to walk so far to get from one house to the other that it was difficult to build a community relationship in that community. So it was concealed and concise and, and, and almost uh, cell-like in their, in their uh, protection. They brought a cocoon with them, but they were still lonely. Now you can be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and still feel loneliness. All you have to do is look at Steve Jobs at the end of his life. And, and it was obvious that this man had alienated so many people from his life that he died in a state of feeling lonely, okay? He, he came to the end of his life with an extreme sense of loneliness and unfulfillment. Can you imagine the, the, the man who created Apple dying, feeling unfulfilled? And yet that's what happened. And so loneliness is a plague. Well, if we know someone, if we unconditionally accept them, if we unconditionally love them, and we're working to meet their fundamental human needs, then we eliminate aloneness. That person is no longer alone. They know that they have someone on the earth who cares about them, who's compassionate with them. And that eliminates negative behavior. Why? Because most negative behavior is a cry to be blessed. That person is crying out to be touched. That person is crying out to experience the blessing. And so there is a power in the blessing that is unique, it's fundamental, and it comes first. You see, I know as a pastor, I know as, as a father, I know as a husband, I know as a boss, that I am not qualified to correct someone I don't know. I also don't receive correction from people I don't know. That's why it does you no good to, to confront me and try to argue with me about theology. If I don't know you, if you're not in my life, if you're not connected with me personally, if you haven't made some sacrifice for me, if you haven't tried to meet some of my needs, then you're not really in relationship with me. And if you're not really in relationship with me, I'll listen to your feedback, I'll accept your questions, I will try to interact with you at that level. But if all you wanna do is argue theology, all you wanna do is correct me in some way, I'm gonna simply say, you don't know me. You don't know me, you don't know what my life has been like, you don't know what my fundamental thoughts are, obviously you don't know me, or you wouldn't be saying these things to me. So I don't receive correction from people I don't know. I don't. So if you're a troll on the internet and you wanna blast us about something, you're just gonna be blocked. You're gonna be deleted. I don't even pay attention to it. This is such a fundamental, God started working this message in me when I was 14 years old, and even before, but in a recognizable way when I was 14 years old and started to, to really minister to me and show me and took me through years and years and years till I came to this understanding and a way of communicating what he'd already put in my heart. And I've lived this out. I've lived grace out with people. I've lived fathering out with people as a fundamental way of operating in life. So I've seen the results. And the results are if I want to correct someone's behavior, I need to go back to the beginning and ask myself, do I know them? Do I accept them? Do I love them unconditionally? And have I worked to meet their needs? Because if I can't answer yes thoroughly to each one of those things, then I am not qualified to disciple them. 
I cannot disciple someone I don't know. I cannot disciple someone I don't accept. I cannot disciple someone I don't love unconditionally. And loving unconditionally is only the first level of love. And I can't disciple someone that I haven't given out of my resources into theirs, into their storehouse. And that may be financially, that may be uh, emotionally, that may be spiritually, but I've made some effort to, to put something in their emotional bank so that eventually they can write checks to others. I was speaking with William, our director in, in uh, Uganda, and we have a school campus and things are going well, but someday we want to have a church. And I said, right now, your job, because I really believe he's going to be the future pastor of this church, your job is to bless this community, to get to know them, to accept them, to love on them, and to meet some needs. And at some point, your job will be to disciple them. But we're going to, we're going to spend at least the first year blessing them, just blessing them. Not trying to disciple, just blessing. And how I many you know that's what happens when you have a baby? You spend the first year, year and a half, with almost no discipline at all, almost no correction. You're not trying to teach them a lot of stuff. You're not trying to train them yet. That first nine months to a year is spent, in fact, the first nine months are absolutely wonderful when you really think about it. Even though it's sleepless nights, there's nothing more wonderful than a baby and, and particularly that ninth month that's that's the actually the perfection of humanity is in the nine month old uh unfortunately it only lasts for 30 days but uh but that is perfection in humanity as a nine month old uh they're wonderful they wag their tail when you walk in a room they're happy to see you they uh they smile they respond they're they're just emotionally there uh they only cry when they actually need something uh, and uh, and it's wonderful to have a nine-month-old in the house. And like I said, the only problem with that, it doesn't last long. Okay? And then we have to start going. But up until that point in time, where we start going into the discipleship role, where we're preparing, preparing that child for future usefulness, we're preparing them to be an adult, until we reach that moment in time, our job is to bless them. So I want to send you out today with the, the, the belief in your heart that if you bless someone, if you want to see someone change, you want to see them change permanently, you need to bless them. It's not your job to change them in the first place. That's God's job. But your job is to set the stage for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. And the way we set the stage for the Holy Spirit to work in our children's lives, our spouses' lives, our, our co-workers' lives, uh, you know, whatever it is, the people that God has put in relationship with us, He's put them there. Your body that you're in, you're in assembly with. You are an assembly of God, being placed in this body to function in your unique function. But part of that unique function is you're looking around you in your community for who you need to know, who you need to unconditionally accept, unconditionally love, and work to meet their needs. And by doing that. You start to eliminate the negative behaviors. And all we get by putting the cart before the horse is the curse of the law.
Hey, and thanks for watching. We hope you enjoyed part four of this series, A Perfect Father Today Relational Blessing. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, GLKTV, and click the little bell so you can be the first to hear about all of our new content. Now, God Loves Kids is an international ministry dedicated to helping the neediest children in the world find hope for a new beginning and a better story. If this teaching inspired you, please let us know in the comments, or if you have any questions or in need of prayer, we'd love to hear from you. If you feel compelled to reach out and help us with our four ongoing missions, Utila, Nepal, Uganda, and Nagaland, follow the links below to contribute. Or you can visit our website, www.godloveskids.com. Now, we know the internet is a ministry, and you can be a missionary just by sharing this content with everybody you know. Join us next time for more Pastor Phil. We can't wait to share more of Jesus Christ with you. Until then, this is Randy Capes from God Loves Kids reminding you to love everyone you can. Amen.